I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Alfie. Alfie. We're going to jump in together. We're going to jump in. Ready? Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. Have you got your trunks on? Have you got your trunks on? I need to... I haven't finished blowing up these these, these water wings yet. Okay. I'll give you a hand. Oh, this is going to be fun. Have you got, have you got your nose clip on? Yeah, I'm scared. Okay. okay. Just hold my hand. We're going to jump in the pool on three. Ready? Okay, yeah, one, two. Oh, oh it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. Oh, oh it stinks. What's that smell? What's that smell? Oh my god. Oh my god, something touched my leg. Something touched my leg. Something touched my leg. Something touched my leg. Touched my leg. Relax, that's just one of the cars. That's just a car. And that smell is crude oil, wealth, and power, okay? Just relax, breathe. Oh. Okay, now let's do it. Let's, let's do a lab. Oh. Let's go. Let's go get your fifty meter badge. Okay, ready? Okay. 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 God. Okay. I, I love the Miami circuit. It re- it really is a slipstream, isn't it? <laughs> now we have to fucking talk about racing. We're going to watch a car race, Michael. It's when nerds try and be cool. I think you've done brilliantly. Good podcasting. That's how we roll, baby. Hi, I'm Josh Weller. And I'm Alfie Brown. And you are listening to... The Dirty Air Podcast. Brackets, Formula One, close brackets. Miami um, has flooded the um what the fake the fake marina um a few weeks out from the race um i just think that it's worth mentioning at the jump that the fake marina <laughs> <laughs> is the one is the one that is submerged in water right now <laughs> what i'm hoping for is that the it's going to be like, like uh, all the commentators, Ted and everybody, it's going to be like that bit in Pinocchio where he's calling for Geppetto. <laughs> and that's what all the commentary is going to sound like. Hamilton! Hamilton! <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, do you remember last year when they launched the race and Seb Vettel wore a T-shirt that, were, that had Miami underwater and it said 2060? What a weird way. No. Yeah. What a weird way for Seb Vettel to be wrong. He's such an oracle, a wise... I think Seb would have been great casting for the oracle in The Matrix. Just saying wise stuff. He's like a, he's like a Simpsons writer that can predict what's actually going to happen in, in the Formula One oh, world. Yeah. 
Um, what, what's the name of the marina? It's the Yas Marina. Yas Marina. Yas Marina. But what's this one called? It doesn't have a name, does it? It's just like fake marina. It's called the Miami Formula One Rolex um, oil money. You know, you know. Can we? Uh, can, can I pitch? Uh, can I pitch a name for it? Yeah. Okay. There was a marina in the Diamond Song about thirteen, fourteen years ago, and I'd like this song. Uh, I'd like the marina to be called the Actually My Name's Marina. Yeah, I'm familiar with that song because it's actually also been in my head for the last 14 years. And actually, we've been singing it to each other for the last 14 years. I'm going to drop it in here. Actually, my name's Marina. I think that's the name of... That's what I'm going to be referring to the marina. Actually, my name's Marina. Oh, my yeah. God. You look just like George Russell. Actually, my name's Marina. Um... It's been it's been a bit of a thin on the ground week uh, for Formula One this week. The Red Bull hot air balloon, <laughs> right? Okay, the Red Bull hot air balloon skate park. <laughs> the- That's just too many things. That's like they went into a, like a casino and like the fruit machine, and each line of fruit was just a different fucking idea for random shit that Red Bull could do. So they went, um, fucking uh, hot air balloon, ding, 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 uh, ding, ding. skate park. Ding, 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 uh, ding, ding. Uh, yeah, we'll do that then. We'll do that. It's like how BBC Three used to make uh, TV programmes. Can fat teens hunt under sniper fire? The Red Bull hot air balloon skate park, not only is it, worth uh, mentioning that Christian Horner launched it because basically because Red Bull isn't as famous as Red Bull F1 now essentially like Formula 1 has gotten so big that the Formula 1 team sponsored by the drinks company have eclipsed the drinks company and the drinks company right. they've been doing wacky shit for years like people jumping out of planes and, and the boxcar downhill race and all this stupid stuff um, yeah. all in the name of extreme adrenalized sports and um it is a little bit like, like I always think that that film Inception sounds like it was written by like a fourteen-year-old boy, where the boy's like, and then they're in the dream, and there's snow, but there's a city, and the city's melting, and then one of them has been shot, but it's real in real life because if you get shot in in the dream, you're shot in real life, and that's what the Red Bull hot air balloon skate park sounds like to me. <laughs> Hang on, explain it to me. Is it a skate park mm-hmm. that? is sponsored by a Red Bull hot air balloon? Or is it a hot air balloon that instead of carrying a basket yeah. underneath it, it's that carries a skate park? It's a skate park in the air. In the sky? Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. So that, no, it's, so the no that's, that's so stupid. Which is, which is also just, it's very Red Bull that they haven't thought about consequences. Because in the video, there's a guy on a BMX, and the guy's like, yeah, he's wearing a, he's wearing a parachute just in case. And I watched it and was like, yeah, but the fucking BMX isn't wearing a parachute. What if he falls off? The guy's fine, but someone on the ground is going to get crushed by a Red Bull BMX. It's <laughs> insane. So I've written down some other options. I've written down, because obviously, you know, how do you make a shocking pop song after Wet Ass Pussy, right? How do you go beyond yeah. that? So how do you go beyond the Red Bull Hot Air Balloon Skate Park? So I've written down a few options for you. And then I'd like you to okay. I'd like you to guess one at the end, okay? So I've got the Red Bull Bowling Alley. Guess one. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got an option for you to guess at the end. Um, but I've okay. I've got the uh, Red Bull Bowling Alley Shooting Range. Yeah, okay, great. I've got the Red Bull Ice Skating Prosciutto Slicing Rink. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I figured you could slice the prosciutto with the ice skates. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is all more joined up thinking than seems to have got into the hot air balloon skate park. Thank you. Uh, anyway, carry the on. The Red Bull Spaceship Nuclear Fission Testing Facility. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. And I've got the Red Bull Second Driver Spa Retreat and Mental Abuse Center. Okay, yeah, that's great. The, I, and I, but the question I wanted to ask you is, because obviously Alpha Tauri, ex Toro Rosso, same team as Red Bull, a lot less money. What could they do that is similar to a hot air balloon skate park, but a bit crapper? I'll start a timer. Um, I'll do the countdown timer for you. Here we go. Um, I don't, uh, I'm going to go for... Warm air balloon car park. <laughs> bouncy, bouncy castle car park. It's a bouncy mm. castle in a car park, isn't it? Uh, well, or it's a bouncy castle that you can car- park your car on. Whatever it is, is going to be 
a sort of a, 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 an offshoot company so that they can invest in the hot air balloon skate park, the Red Bull hot air balloon skate park, but without announcing it on the budget that was initially put aside for the Red Bull Hot Air Balloon Skate Park. What's it called in a when you create a company to hide money and the company's fake? What's that called? I don't know. You know like when you you know when you create a fake company so that you can hide like all the politicians do it so they can like hide their money in places. Is it called offshoring? Fake company to hide money. Are you googling it? Shell company. Shell company. Shell company. I think that this is essentially like a shell company, whereas because what they've really built is a place in the sky, like a mafia Scorsese film, to dangle Sergio mm. Perez from by his ankles to threaten him about challenging Max. That's all I think the skate That's park nice. is. It's so that they can hang him over the railings because a half pipe needs railings. So they hang him over the railings and, yeah. and go, who's the number two driver? Who's the, who does number two work for? And just scream at Perez. Also, because Sergio Perez is so small, it comparatively to other people, it would make the drop ever so slightly bigger. Yeah, you only need to take so the balloon up. And it only needs to be 25 feet in the yeah. air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the drop gets fatal at a lower altitude than for anybody else. Um, in other Formula One news, uh, team principal um, and all-round pun man Mike Crack has war. I'm not going to make a joke. I'm I am not going to do a Mike Crack joke. Unlike every other, just call yourself Michael though. Yeah, just call yourself Michael, Mister Doctor Crack. Anyway, um, is he a doctor? Doctor <laughs> Doctor Crack. Uh, <laughs> Dr. O'Kracknick um, has warned that F1 is abandoning its DNA roots with the format changes because the FIA have put six sprint races in place this year and they've um, changed the qualifying rules um, and they've changed, I mean, pretty much, I mean, we're going into Baku in a couple of weeks and I think we still don't fully understand the format of tyre compounds for qualifying for Q3. We don't fully understand... Uh, the qualifying results versus the sprint qualifying versus the sprint results against the race versus qualifying results. So it's all very confusing. And even the team principles... Yeah, but also, not only do we don't know the rules, the FIA don't know the... Like, nobody knows the rules. The rules are a mystery to everybody. So that's quite exciting in that we get to make up the rules that's that's fun isn't it that's part of the fun of the sport is that i mean the dna of i always find it a bit weird when people bring up the dna of oh it's not in the dna of the sport like the what is in the dna of the sport are the halos in the dna of the sport are there hybrid engines in the dna no of the but sport? it's one thing no no, like, no it's one thing to improve safety it's another thing to not be sure no, about, no, no, of course. about how you're going to race. I understand that, but the race has always changed. Like, the race has changed all the time. I just don't buy into it. It's crap. That's a reason for it. But there, there are ways to make it better. Okay. Uh, if you could. Are, are the other are 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 regulations and the price caps and the, uh, the, 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 the things that they've tried to implement over the last few seasons to make racing more fair? Okay. Are they in the DNA of well they're clearly not working they're clearly not all of for all of the price cap uh la di da it doesn't hasn't made a blind bit of difference there's still one team pummeling everyone else out in front so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you the team the uh, head of the FIA the king of F1 so I'm and I've crowned you Stefano Domenicalfi right good huh um So for the next 60 seconds, you're Stefano Domenicali, and you can make a format change to the sport right now um, to, to improve the... Uh, you can get rid of a, a track if you want. Um, you can get rid of sprint races. You can add more night races. You can make the drivers um, take their helmets off, although I strongly advise you don't do that one. Um, what would you do? What in your heart makes you like want to happen in F1? Because I know what mine is. Um, buongiorno. Io mi chiami Stefano Domenico Alfi. Uh, 
io che ti ragazzo, molto che ti ragazzo, I change the rules, the rules are bastards, and I don't play by any rules, I'm bad, bad, bad man, but if I had to change one rule for the party big pre that we have every couple of weeks, I change it so that um, every quarter of the race we lose five drivers and it end the race with only the top six. Oh, you think the fastest should be the... I think the slowest should be the last ones in the race. Is that your rule change? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to... Su- what? I'm going to support your rule change and add that. I think that's a great addition, is to uh, remove the fastest drivers <laughs> as the race goes on. I also think that after you win the championship, your budget for the next season gets slashed. So the, there is the, the, the team who come 10th in constructors, Uh, they um, they get biggest budget, and then team that win the championship get smallest budget for the next season. I think that's lovely, and I think you should talk in this accent forever. I th- I do think okay, I do th- I know that F1 hates this, and I know the fans hate this, but the idea of the fastest car starting first is a little bit stupid. I understand that it's the reward for being the best is that you start at the front, and I understand that logically. It makes sense, but I do think that if you want to make this Max Verstappen, even Sergio Perez dominance era a little bit more interesting, they should start somewhere else. And I don't mean the back of the grid. I just mean like the car park. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So they're 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 half a mile in front of all the other drivers but they're in the normal car park in like the purple zone and at the end of the race they have to remember which zone they started in and get back there you know like when you leave when when you leave disneyland and you're like fuck i can't even remember where we parked and you're oh we're in the mickey mouse zone and they have to you have to specifically remember where you were oh what about this is a serious idea but i mean or like i think this would be actually good is if at the end of each season the end of each season uh you actually get um everybody gets a gets to keep uh one of the championship winning cars so at the end <laughs> so so everybody gets a everybody gets a red bull from last season and they go right well let's make this a bit better and who can make last season's winning car better And so everybody starts from the point of the last season's winning car. That's the best thing I've ever... Genuinely, genuinely, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Like, you make the the winning car open source material, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like so it alleviates all the spying and rusing, and they just give it to... Speaking of speaking of spying and rusing, um, I like I like espionage. Like, I I like a lot of Second World War history. I know that you do. I know that you do. So uh, this next story has made me very happy um, because it's like a spy film. Um, Lamborghini have signed a new driver for the World Endurance Championship. Not strictly Formula One, but we'll cover it anyway. Um, but the driver, who is an ex-Toro Rosso Formula One driver, has had to change his nationality so that he can race in the WEC. Um, so congratulations to my new favorite Italian driver, Daniel Kvyat. <laughs> da- Daniello Cavatini. It's like a spy film where where a waiter comes over and goes, uh, "May I take your order, sir?" And he goes, <clears throat> "Uh," <laughs> with a trying to cover. Can you do a Can you do a Russian trying to be Italian? Well, da. <laughs> um, if you're a Russian, then you're so you try to make it Italian, and now the Russian is becoming Italian. <laughs> It's very difficult for me. Oh no, I've gone full Italian. Oh no. But this is what happens with Daniel Occhivattini. And also like this... Da- Daniel, Daniel, you haven't finished your cacciapuri. This is not cacciapuri. This is big pizza. <laughs> this is a big pizza. It's not classic Georgian meal of bread with cheese and egg yolk stirred into it. White pizza in a little pasta bottle. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I sure it was for the world endurance championship sure mate sure it's, it was i know it's not formula one but the idea 
that you ban a country from competing in national sports so all the drivers have to do is just change their the country that they're from in a weird way sums up formula one the 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 sort of rule dodging aspect of it like red bull going no 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 no, we didn't overspend money we just we just bought loads of beef wellingtons for catering and then then (laughs) (laughs) and the fia going yeah sure 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 it just sums up the sport to me russia did that with basically all like you remember the olympics when russia weren't allowed to compete so they basically just had like the top three in the medals table were china the usa and then some other blokes it's just like you know the others white flag country yeah very good for dido's career um that's a reference to her first album which i think was called white flag wasn't it there will be no white flag upon my because yeah, i'm in that. love always Gerhard Berger, ex-McLaren, Ferrari and Benetton driver has said no one can beat Max and he's not expecting an exciting battle for the world championship. Now, that's not interesting, but I do think everyone listening to this podcast should take a deep breath in and just enjoy saying the two words, Gerhard Berger. Who printed that? Gerhard Berger. It's just such a good, it's one of my favourite Formula One names of all time. I think you can hear us talk about Gerhard Berger in our old podcast episode, Formula One drivers' names that we miss saying. Must have been a quiet week in the Formula One news department that week, wasn't it? I think if I went to a um, sort of action movie-themed burger joint, um, Mm. that's where I would order a Gerhard burger. Um, And finally, in the Formula One news, um, Stefano Domenicali, um, who uh, for the rest of the season, I will be uh, uh, referencing Stefano Domenicali in the style of the uh, song Copacabana, so I'm going to go, Stefano Domenicali um, has okay. raised the, <laughs> he's raised the Formula One entry cost. So if you're a new team, let's put it this way. Formula One is finally appealing to an audience that they never thought possible. New fans the world over. Netflix shows. S- Kardashianization of these drivers. We're obsessed with these drivers. We've made the reserve drivers celebrities. The sport is growing and expanding at a rate that the FIA is amazed by and struggling to keep up with. So in the spirit of allowing new teams to join, Stefano Domenicali has raised the entry cost to $200 million. So... If you want to compete in your first year, you also have to finance your budget and pay the entry fee of $200 million, meaning that your first year in F1, regardless of making your engines or engine suppliers, sponsorship, all that stuff, you have to provide about $400 million to the sport just to compete for one year. Which leads me to my belief that Stefano Domenicali is sort of like a Mel Brooks producer's character who hates F1. And is trying to destroy it from the inside. Thoughts. Um, so if we won Euro millions, that still wouldn't be enough to, for us to start our own dirty air Formula One team. We could win Euro millions two weeks in a row and still not be able to enter Formula One. Well, we'd have to win it when there's been a rollover that make, gets it up to like 136. If we won the 136 yeah. one week, then it wouldn't be 136 the next. I so think it sums it like- up uh, just how much we are beta. Uh, males that even in our fantasy we haven't invented something that makes us rich we've just won the lottery yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the quickest way that we could make 136 ish <laughs> million pounds it's just not i wonder if it's the most likely that we could make 136 million pounds what's yeah, the most likely that's... way for us to make a million 136 million pounds in the next year um one of us would have to be cast as james bond that'd be 136 million well it's going to be a man in yeah, the probably in his 30s yeah and it said a relatively unknown person we're both relatively unknown persons yeah so it could be either yeah. one of us yeah. is there like and i hope it's me but you know if it's you i'd be happy for you yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. think it is me um and then we could become we'd become rivals um which leads me very weakly onto my next point uh, for this week. So Formula One, obviously, um, full of famous rivalries. Uh, Villeneuve Peroni, as anyone who's seen that brilliant uh, new documentary. Jim Clark, Graham, Graham Hill, Schumacher, uh, Damon Hill, Hunt Lauder, Mickey Lauder, dogs like this. Um, uh, PK Mansell, Prost Senna, and this is what my favourite thing. Writing down these rivalries is um, uh, 
Hamilton versus Verstappen, very famous rivalry. Hamilton versus Alonso, very famous rivalry. Hamilton versus Rosberg, very famous rivalry. Hamilton Vettel, another good F1 rivalry, which leads me to believe that you know when mm. you have like four really bad housemates in a row and you have to actually mm. question whether you were the bad housemate. Yeah. Somebody complaining about all their ex-girlfriends and you go all my ex-girlfriends were bitches. Right. Feels yeah. like you um might you have, be. Yeah, you failed your driving test 11 times now. I think you actually might just be a bad driver. Um <laughs> I think I just, Lewis Hamilton is the bad rival. He is the problem child in Formula One if he's had that many rivals in such a short space of time. Mm, he's the the boat. Yes, the, exactly. The baddest, the baddest of all time. Um, which leads me on to, I've written the top 10 greatest dirty air Formula One rivalries. Okay, talk me through them because I, am, I've, I came to Formula One later in the day than you. Uh, so I'm going to need... Uh, filling in. Tell me a story as if I were a child on your knee and okay. you were... Uh, my grandfather explained to me why Michael Owen is a dishonest footballer because he dives too much. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to play some lovely uh, childish music so I can balance you on my knee. And Okay, um, okay here we go. Are you sitting comfortably? Tell me, Joshy. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Tell me about all the rivalries from F1 days past. Um, can you call me Uncle Joshy? <laughs> um, Uncle Joshy, what was the what was it like in the olden days with the V8 engines and the mad rivalries? Oh, well, it was a very different time, little Alfie. Um, by the way, I like your dungarees. Um, you're wearing dungarees in this in this fake scenario. Um, Don't be fucking creepy, Josh. <laughs> Just tell me about the drivers. Well, these are my top ten funniest F1 rivalries of all time. Oh. At number ten. <laughs> number ten is Formula One versus tobacco shell companies. Do you know what a shell company <laughs> is? Good rivalry, Josh. I wasn't expecting that. That was a bolt from the blue because they're not drivers at all. <laughs> You've got a very full-bodied laugh for a small child wearing dungarees and a straw hat. Thank you. I have an amazing diaphragm. A long time ago, there was a man who looked like a human testicle in a Beatles wig, and his name was Bernie Eccleston. Bernie oh. Eccleston had what we call little man syndrome, like Tom Cruise or Nelson and he was really upset that he was a bad driver. So one day he walked into Formula One and he said, um, I own this now. And he gave all these tobacco companies advertising space. But as time went on, everybody realized that tobacco gives you cancer. So they banned. What? I better put this out. So, why are you smoking a Lambert and Butler? They stopped making those decades ago. I bought a lot of duty free in the 80s. <laughs> and Bernie Eccleston realised that he could no longer advertise tobacco products so what Formula One did is they created lots of secret companies called things like Mission Winnow that was actually tobacco companies but they weren't and they haven't fully figured it out yet and that's my number 10 in the list Wow What's number I do think 9 Uncle Joshy? Yeah, 
okay, I think for the rest of this countdown, it's going to really creep people out if you keep that voice going. But I encourage you to do it. Um, just, yeah, come on. Tell me. Tell me. I can't believe you gave it up that quickly. I, I respect you less. At number nine, Vettel versus any good car post Red Bull. Yes. The poor kitten gets a Ferrari seat, challenges, and then the car falls apart, gets a bunch of podiums, and then the car falls apart. And then he just moves to a terrible team. And then the minute, the minute, the minute he leaves the team, literally the second he hangs up his hat and moves to his bee farm spa retreat, all of a sudden Fernando Alonso is getting podiums. And that is one of the funniest F1 rivalries of all time. When he left Red Bull, was there something in the air? Because he left Red Bull a world champion. Yeah. So you have... So it wasn't his... Whose choice was it for him to leave Red Bull? I think that it's easy to look at Ferrari now and forget how much race car drivers want to race for them because they've been so bad for so long. But I think that around that time, 2012, there was a huge, huge desire for every driver to race for Ferrari. And I suppose it was only like... Four years past their last world championship at that point. That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, at number eight, we have Kimi Raikkonen versus the press. Um, that's one of the funniest F1 rivalries of all time. Kimi Raikkonen in any interview that he ever did. And I miss him. Like, to quote 50 Cent here, I'm not I'm not fat shaming. I'm quoting a 50 Cent lyric. I miss you like a fat kid, miss, fat kid Mrs. Cake. Is that the lyric? I love you like a fat lives loves. I love you like a fat kid loves cake. You know my style. Yes. I'll say anything to make you smile, which is not kind of quite that. braggadly lyric because it's sort of it's sort of letting the listener know. I think I've just been quite funny with that fat kid line. Uh, so you're, you're very you're very welcome for the lovely joke. Uh, I love uh, Kimmy's attitude. Kimmy's Kimmy sort of has a rivalry. Like with the press in the same way that like uh, New Zealand thinks it has a rivalry with Australia like the press thinks oh Kimmy hates us Kimmy just couldn't give a shit Kimmy doesn't even (laughs) register your existence like uh, the press are going oh I wonder if it'll be difficult today I'm not being difficult I just don't care about you I, what I say, what I say to you, has is of no consequence I don't need to play the game with you I that's one of the things I really miss about F1 is the um now pre-race post-race you have the three winners at on a sofa it's very strange that the three drivers now sit on a sofa yeah and talk about their race you used to just get like 10 drivers on two tables and it was so there was so much comedy in those interviews and um i really hope that um stefano dominicali if he's all about entertainment there he'll bring back the the two table sort of um, university challenge uh, layout to the conferences because they got some absolute gold out of that. And when you watch any Formula One funny, funniest moments, it's always those interviews. It's never the new ones. What I think we're missing in today's era of Formula One racing is the personalities that we used to have in the sport. Yeah, yeah. And you see them, they're slowly dying out. Like Kimi is one. Vettel in his own way towards the end was one. Uh, Alonso is one they're all kind of moving away I'm not sure if the I mean character is obviously something that you develop over time but I think if uh, Stefano Domenicali really wants to implement uh, the changes through the sport that enhance its entertainment value I think the people doing the press training for Formula One should be me and you (laughs) and we should teach Charles Leclerc, how to speak to the press. We I should be have speaking never agreed to you more. Albon. We should be holding Yuki up as a, a, a ray of light, a shining example. This is how to conduct yourself. You need a poo? Let us know. It's funny. People like poo, okay? <laughs> they, the drivers, the, the new drivers are more and more like a sort of crotchless Kendall, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Like, they're just... You know, they're just they're also smooth around the edges and it's becoming incredibly boring. At number yes. seven, I have Pirelli versus making a reliable product. Okay. 
bring back Bridgestone, bring back Michelin, bring back competitive tyre companies in the sport because at the minute I'm incredibly... Like Pirelli, they just choose the tyres weeks ahead of the races and just ship them out there. And I don't know if you've noticed, but their pro- their tyres aren't very good. Um, they do, All the drivers do is complain about them. And I think we need to bring back... I think a monopoly is always dangerous and I think make it an oligopoly. Uh, bring back the other two companies that's not something i've ever thought about ever before in my life uh tire companies i didn't even i I heard something about bridgestone recently and the the idea that there used to be competing tire companies and they would compete so what so some teams would use bridgestone and some teams would use pirelli yes pirelli to me are like if you spent loads of time home making the perfect ice cream sundae and right. then served it to me, not in a bowl, but in a napkin. And it just immediately fell through the napkin. That's right. what Pirelli is to me. It's this company that somehow has bid to be the only supplier. And the team spend all this time making these cars. And then they just throw on these wheels that are quite an important part of the race. And they have no say in them. And I think that needs to change. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I agree with you. No, I don't really no, never thought about it before. My number six. Number six. Lando Norris versus Daniel Ricciardo. Lovely stuff. Finally, two humans. Uh, yeah, your first no one talks the top about ten it. rivals of uh, two, 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 two humans. No uh, one talks about it. They hated each other. They hated each other. Apparently, they quite liked each other by the end. I don't think so. I think that I don't. I I just don't buy it. I think that smashing him over the face with a um with a hopscotch balloon or whatever the, a space hopper. I think that it was a joke, but I think it felt good. <laughs> That wasn't, it, it was sort of a, it was quite a depleting rivalry to witness in real time because you had Daniel who you wanted to kind of come good, or at least I think we both did. And Lando, who was this upstart who was being arrogant and hadn't really learned. But then, you know, in one of these rundowns, we say that we want more personality. We want a bit more honesty. We want a bit more fuck you from our drivers. And then as soon as Lando goes, I don't feel sorry for Daniel, go fuck yourself. Then we go, ah, boo hiss. But then I suppose actually we're grateful for Lando because he provides us the villain that we need in the sport to enjoy it more. That's very true. Yeah. He's dick dastardly, or for Formula One's sake, slick dastardly. Number five, Netflix versus facts. Okay. Explain to me how Netflix is working in opposition to facts. You're you're implying that uh, Netflix is a sort of post-truth prism through which we review the sport uh explain yourself i it's very funny that the show comes out a, you know six months after the season's finished yeah. i understand that they have to film and edit it but the not the most recent season because i think they got in a bit of trouble but the season before they were just creating rivalries in the show and everyone was like no no, no hang on a minute no, no no carlos and charles they didn't they they didn't openly hate each other. That's just why have you just made that up to fill an episode? Because they, Carlos they, tell us and Lando loved each other, didn't they? They had some sort of glistening romance. So they wanted to present it like, oh, Carlos is all sad because he's got to be friends with this prick now. But it wasn't but, real. But, but the real rivalry was the drivers versus their shit car. Why didn't they just show us that? Why didn't they show us Domenicali like talking about how he wants every race to you know, be on a hot air balloon skate park or whatever fucking entertainment nonsense he wants. Like, why don't we see the real stuff in the show? I want to see, like, it, th- like that Toto Horner moment has become a memeable moment, but it did feel honest to me. Horner going, fix your fucking car. I've been banging that drum for quite some time. Uh, I, 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 I want to see, I want to see, I want to see Drive Survive film the people building the cars. If we're, if there's going to be such a huge quality disparity between the manufacturers of the cars then we need to see them build them so that we can enjoy that at least which actually this takes in my uh, points four and three point number four i have uh dominicali versus formula one <laughs> <laughs> now dominicali's only been the head of the ifia for a short period of time uh before that it was uh muhammad muhammad uh, and then before that, who was it? His name was Michael. It's Michael Messi. Of course. How can you forget the Hans Gruber of Formula One, Alfie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought his top... Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um... <laughs> Yippee, what is it you said to me while you were taking the last lap? Yippee-ki-yay. 
motherfucker. What has Stefano Stefano Domenicali done? <laughs> Michael Massey, Michael Booby, this is radio, not television. Put away the gun. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. I've not seen it. Um what shocking carry on what what has Stefano Domenicali implemented uh, that you disagree with and that you feel is in opposition to Formula One racing okay let's put it this way we're doing four weeks of shows where there's no races and he's prattling on about FP3 when there's no racing happening in the season of Formula One but that is surely is that that his fault or is that coronavirus's fault Uh, you'd think that he'd give a little bit of it less of a shit about sprint races and more of a shit about races and there because there aren't any i understand that china got cancelled but they filled a whole calendar during covid give me two belgiums give me two silverstones give me keep the drivers in australia give me two australias i'll take that over for a four weeks spring break that's a good idea two australias australia is the best grand prix anyway and i could have gone again see uh number three toto versus horner I think that, that is, this is going down in history. I know it's an obvious one, but I do think it's, it's a battle of sort of good and evil. It's a battle of, of brawn versus brain. It's a battle versus conniving versus honesty. It's a battle between we win together, we lose together versus we'll throw you off the fucking hot air balloon skate park if you fuck with us. Who's brawn you know? and who's brain? Um, I think t- that's a good question. I think... Well, I think Toto's the brawn, isn't he? I mean, these literally, physically, on close he is, inspection. Yeah, yeah. But on close inspection, these are loafers. He's the, he's the strong man of. He's the uh, Rainier Wolfcastle <laughs> of Formula One. <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and and Horner is the. He's the pinky. You know, he's the pinky in the brain. You know. Dastardly evil guy trying to take over the world who can smile at the cameras when it's on him, but you know that he's an arsehole. Christian Horner reminds me of Lex Luthor. It's like Lex Luthor versus Superman. That's who it is because Toto's got a Superman esque quality to him. The the broad back, yeah, and I agree the, with that. Um, sinewy arms and this little munchkin, this little evil munchkin man who's seeking to destroy hope and prosperity i mean this is just how we paint it to ourselves but to be completely honest if we rewind our brains three years it was really boring watching uh you know mercedes win every year and actually i was sort of pleading with red bull to come good so that there might be some competition what i didn't plan for was uh you know mercedes to fall away like a wet cake and make it just as boring as it was (laughs) before uh, but just with a different team on top. Uh, so I mean, it's a great it's a great rivalry, and they are kind of quite cartoon people. Toto being this gorgeous, like six foot five Adonis named after a small dog, uh, and Christian being this little evil nerd who's married to a spice guy. I mean, they're such great characters, and I love their rivalry. Yeah. I just wish that they actually. We're in close competition because the one year where that was the case, it was it was pretty good, albeit it came to a bit of a sickening end. I do think that Toto should start inviting the other four Spice Girls to every race just so they're in the Mercedes paddock. I think that would be a quite a baller move. Yeah, that'd be good. And Jerry was the first one to leave. Wasn't uh, okay, she? Sec- she was to pursue, as we've discussed to pursue her solo career, mm. which, in my opinion the best of all the Spice Girls solo singles. In second place, I have um, Jos Verstappen versus refueling in Hockenheim for Arrows F1 in 1994. That's my second favourite F1 rivalry of all time, where um, Jos Verstappen, a man with more um, uh, criminal record numbers than uh, podium numbers, (laughs) uh, pulled in... in (laughs) He pulled in to the garage to refuel, and there was a... so arrows, I think they removed the valve that attaches the pump to the car to try and save a bit of weight or some crap. Yeah. And basically he set himself on fire. And in a roundabout way, I think that actually, I know people say, oh, it lit a fire in me where I would knew I would never fail. When you watch that diary of a CEO, they always go, you know, it lit a fire inside me. But I think this actually did light a fire inside him that he um, blew onto his son, Max Verstappen. Um <laughs> 
And that's why it's my second favourite rivalry of all time, because it's one that came good. Okay. Uh, is Jos Verstappen exploding. And my number one... Okay, I'm going to say the link, and I want you to tell me what the rivalry is. You ready? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to name some drivers. Yeah. Weber. Yeah. Kvyat. Yeah. Albon. Yeah. Ricardo. Right. Perez. Right, okay, yeah, fine. So it's it, my number one... Dirty Air, best Formula One rivalries of all time, is Red Bull Racing versus... Their number two driver. <laughs> yeah, that's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Why does no one mention it? I mean, it doesn't come up enough. I know that the pundits occasionally talk about it, but like the the way that they... Again, I've already said it on this podcast. The way it's like a Scorsese film. It's like... Um, and the way that they just... Spinal Tap's drummer. <laughs> like the the cursed role in Formula One. Yeah, you don't you don't dust for vomit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like before every race, every number two Red Bull driver has to go into Christian's office and put like a like a silver gun barrel in their mouth and just <laughs> swear their allegiance. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It is. Putting Daniel there to scare Perez. Yeah, they've and, now managed to... You know, the, the, the mistake they were making before is that they only had two drivers. Like, they only had one driver to scare the first one. Now they've got... It's gonna. It, when does it end? How many drivers? Each one scaring the next. Yeah. Like a kind of human centipede-type vibe, but with, like, inspiration. Yeah. Each, each mouth attached to a different anus of fear. That's why it's called a power tra- Red Bull Power Trains. That's what the actual thing is. It's not the new factory. It's the train link of second driver to third driver to fourth driver to fifth driver where they all just threaten each other it's fucking brilliant um and more of it please yeah um that's my top 10 top 10 dirty air best rivalries well of that's all time. wonderful uh, before we before we close off the show before today, we wrap up the podcast uh we have a special guest we've had a special guest right in um with a little uh rundown of what they do in their day it's a classic segment are we we're so in demand now aren't we got lots of uh mm-hmm. people who work in the formula one uh industry writing in various things to us about uh, their life and uh and how it goes so today we're absolutely delighted to be able to give you a day in the life of angela cullen I wake up in a familiar room. There is a burning heat in my hands that moves from the inside out. I slowly register the shapes around me as they become familiar in the dim light of dawn. I see my thumbs moving in circles and realise I must have fallen asleep given Lewis a rubdown. Not again, I think. His skin is raw and slightly bloodied, as are my thumbs. He stirs and says, Oh, morning, Ange. You're here early. Connard. Je suis tellement fatigué, I mutter whilst wiping the tattoo ink from my hands. His tattoos had never come off before. This must have been a long one. What was that, Ange? Oh, just something I picked up at home. Nothing. Are you excited about your leaving, do? Oh, yes, I say. Well, you'd better get on with organising it then. A grapefruit juice would be amazing first. Thank you. Absolutely, I say. I ring around the guests from the evening's party. The organisation has to be just right. I explain in a round-robin message that the guests must get to the Greyhound Inn by 7.30. Lewis has been very clear about that, as he doesn't want anybody ruining the surprise for me. He's he's taking me to Rossetti, the second best Italian in Brackley, and then down the road to the Greyhound. There was a place I quite liked in London, but Lewis says we have to do it in Brackley, as if it's near HQ, we can more easily justify it as a tax write-off. He really is the goat. I go back upstairs to give him his grapefruit juice. Another step into his bedroom. Another glance at what I want most but cannot have. So much time spent, so much care and adoration. And now just to leave? Will he even remember me? Will he know how much I want him to be mine? Of course he won't. All he thinks about is Lewis Hamilton. His big stupid face. How I've held it. He'll never know how much I love him. The time we've spent together. The amount of times I've cleared up his excrement. I love that dog. Come on, Roscoe. Downstairs for food. I say as a defeated tear dribbles down my cheek. I get to the Greyhound early to put up some balloons and bunting. 
We're sorry she's leaving, Lewis, it says in fluorescent helium letters. Lewis and I have dinner and he asks me what he's allowed to have. Ah, je n'ai rien à faire mon pote. But he doesn't hear me as it's time for his be real. You're 40, I think to myself. We finish up and go to the Greyhound. As we pass through the doors, the Mercedes staff shriek, Surprise! And I force my grimace into a smile. Oh! Oh, wow! Incroyable! Je suis stupéfait. And stop all the French shit, please. It's getting on my tits. Yes, Lewis. The party is fun. I mingle. And at the end, the team surprised me with a special person they've hired to laser off my loyalty tattoo. <laughs> Quite horrible, really, but I was touched I didn't have to organise this myself. I don't have the heart to tell Lewis I rubbed off his loyalty tattoo last night. He takes me to one side and, smiling and loving, says, So, Ange, yes? What did I get you? I look confused. What? Well, you must have got me something to give to you for your leaving. I just thought, fuck's sake, Ange, this is exactly the sort of thing that you really need to be across. Someone I really care about is leaving and you didn't think that I might get them something. Come on. But it's me. I don't want to hear it. Just buy yourself a car on my card, okay? But make sure it's registered to the Isle of Man. Okay, good. I change the subject and ask, are you excited about the next Grand Prix? Fuck's sake, Ange. Grand Prix? This French shit. Stop it. And he spends the next hour talking to me about the Azerbaijan big prize. <laughs> Thanks, Ange. Thank you so much. Aren't we sullen? Angela Cullen. Angela Cullen. We wish her all the best in her future and thank you for helping make a world champion seven times over. Specifically seven and no more. Um... Thank you for joining us on this week's Dirty Air. Um, I've already said the name of the show. Um, I'm Josh Weller. My name's Alfie Brown. And we'll see you next week and it's for dirty more air. Dirty Air. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 